0: Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I am your host here on the Bible and Life, and I am grateful that you're joining me on this episode. Here on the Bible and Life, our heart, our goal is to try to provide clear, down-to-earth Bible teaching in a way that helps us think through what it looks like to follow Jesus in the midst of our everyday life. I like to call it Blue Jeans Theology, just theology for everyday life. And so If you're a regular listener, thanks for being a part of the Bible in Life family. And if you're new, if this is your first time, I am so glad that you're joining us here on the Bible in Life. Before we jump into the content for this episode, uh, I just wanted to let you know something, and you may already be familiar with it, particularly if you're on my email list. If you're not on my email list, I've got a... Free 30 page book on how to read and study the Bible effectively that you can get. And you can sign up for that. And if you sign up for that, it'll add you to my list. I think it's a really useful tool to help you learn how to study the Bible. So that's on my website at johnwhitaker.net. But one of the things we've been talking about is that on my other website, my listenerscommentary.com website, which goes along with my audio commentary on the New Testament, uh, that I'm having a new website built. Uh, By a web development company. The Lord graciously opened a door for this web development company, both of whom the heads are believers, uh, and they wanted to build a website that could actually do what I envisioned for my Bible study hub. My current website just is kind of clunky with that. The sign up is a little confusing for people, it's not smooth. Uh, I can't really add the material the way I want to add it. And so, They offered to build a new one and they've been working on it the last couple months, taking a little longer than they thought because there's a lot more material there than they realized probably. But uh, that is almost done. Last week I sent in the final edits uh on that website they're working on those final edits this week and so lord willing in the next week or two that new website will go live and I'm excited about that because it's going to include now all my online courses are going to be there um and so there'll be like one login on one platform to access all my courses uh plus the audio files for the listeners commentary and then I'm going to be able to uh, add Specific supporting content to individual audio files, so um, that uh, if you want word studies or articles or pictures or maps that go along with specific studies, not just generically, but specific parts of the commentary. Um, over time, I'm going to add that. Now it's going to take me a while to do that, right? Like I'm, I'm, uh, I've got so much on my plate just creating the commentary, but but I will carve out time each week to add stuff to various Bible books, so that. Over time, we can flush that out, and there'll be just a lot of content to help you really study the Bible on your own. So that's almost done. We're getting close. I'm super excited. I will let you know when that's done. But that's over at listenerscommentary.com. And Lord willing, in the next two weeks, that new website will be up and operational and ready to go with a boatload of Bible study materials there for you. So I just wanted to let you know about that um, if you hadn't heard that already. Okay. Now, on this week's episode of the Bible in Life, what I want to talk about is the importance of having an eternal perspective on life. We live in such a now oriented culture, it seems, at least here in my culture, in my world, and a lot of the people I have met even in other parts of the world, we we just want things now, whether it's small things, right? Like, Microwave generation where you can, you know, put some food in the microwave and in a minute or two, you've got a meal, right? We live in that kind of society. We've got fast food. Uh, We want everything fixed now. Like waiting a week or two feels like a long time to us, yet alone months, yet alone years, right? We're not good at delayed gratification, uh, that was one of the things when our kids were growing up that we made a point of trying to help them learn. Uh, in fact, sociological studies have shown that children who learn delayed gratification at a younger age actually uh, um, function better as adults in society. Uh, and so we just kind of made that a point to help our kids learn that, that they had to wait for things. They didn't get everything right away. And obviously it was age appropriate depending on how old they were and all of that. But I think it's important to learn that we're just not good at that. We want everything now. We want everything fixed now. Um, we we view our life in terms of you know days, weeks, maybe months. Um, you know five years—that's a long time. And then all of a sudden, when you hit fifty years old, oh, wow, that's a super—you're super old. My my brother just had his fiftieth birthday, and I commented in in the little note I wrote him in his birthday card that. While 50 seems like a long time, it's only one one hundredth of the way to your first 5,000. And in view of the biblical Bible's teaching of eternity, like we're going to live for eternal life, like 5,000 years is a small part of eternal life. So 50 is a small part of 5,000, right? Like our life is a lot longer than we realize. And it's just really important for us as followers of Jesus to have an eternal perspective, both because what we do in the here and now has eternal ramifications and because the promises that we're given about eternity in the scriptures put everything that happens in the here and now in a fresh perspective. So uh, let me just reflect on a passage that uh, I've been studying and even doing some teaching on of late from 2 Corinthians. Let's pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 and following. So listen to these words, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and following. Paul has been describing his ministry. He has been describing in the immediate context how Even though his ministry is hard, he's afflicted, he's perplexed, he's persecuted, he's suffering, right? Even though that's the case, he does not lose heart. That's what he's been describing. He said that in chapter 4, verse 1. Then he lists off some of the challenges of his ministry, some of the frailty and weaknesses of his body. Now he comes back to that here in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and says, therefore, we do not lose heart. But even though our outer man, our outer person is decaying, that's our physical self is decaying, yet our inner person, our spiritual self is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look While we keep our eyes on, that's the idea of, look, while we focus on, not the things which are seen, but on the things which are unseen. Why? Well, because the things which are seen, they're temporary, but the things we can't see yet are eternal. That there are things that God has promised and planned that haven't come fully to fruition yet. And those things are eternal. So we live in this dynamic where we've already experienced some of God's promises. We've already experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit and and we're being renewed day by day in our inner person. And yet we haven't received everything God has promised yet. We don't see those things just yet. Those things are eternal and they're going to last forever. In fact... Uh, I love the comment of Mother Teresa on this passage, kind of reflecting on this. Mother Teresa once said that, um, that when, from the perspective of eternity, when we look back at whatever we suffered and whatever we endured and whatever difficulties we experienced in this present life from the perspective of eternity, Mother Teresa said, it'll be like the sufferings of the here and now will be like one bad night in a cheap hotel uh, compared to the glory and the goodness and the beauty and the satisfaction of uh, our eternal life that we'll inherit. Then, after Paul says that, Paul goes on in chapter 5 to explain what, what are some of the things he has in mind, particularly at this moment in his life and at this moment in the letter of Second Corinthians, what are some things he has in mind by the eternal things that he sets his gaze upon? So he says in chapter 5, 4, we know... That if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. By earthly tent, he's talking about our physical body, and he's comparing it to a tent. If our earthly tent, which is our present house, our current house, is torn down, we have a, notice, a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's like the topic sentence for chapter 5, 1 through 10, this new paragraph. And notice the contrast. Earthly tent, heavenly building. A building from God versus an earthly tent. What's the point of that contrast? Well, a tent is a temporary structure, a nomadic structure, right? A sojourner's structure. But a building is permanent. And so that's the point of this contrast. Right now, we live in an earth, earthy tent that that at any moment could be torn down, could uh, be destroyed. We, we could die is the idea. But even if that's the case, we know that we have a permanent building from God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. In other words, there is a resurrection body, an eternal body, an eternal abode for us. And in the context of home here, he's talking about our, our, our physical dwelling. We have a re- we're promised a resurrection body. So right now we live in a, a temporary tent, which is at risk of being torn down. But there is a permanent building from God, a body not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, he goes on, in this tent, in this present situation, in this present circumstance, um, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Like, man, we we want that eternal resurrection body that is not subject to disease and death and suffering and all the things that we experience in this world. We long for that, Uh, our, our eternal resurrection body. We want that since, in fact, after putting it on, will not be found naked. Um, and I think just a real technical thing uh, there when he says will not be found naked, he's actually kind of subtly controverting, uh, working against the Greek idea of the goal is to die, shed our body, and be naked. They actually use that word naked for like the goal, the dream, the destiny of mankind is to get rid of any sort of body because the body is such a prison house. Paul's like, no, from a biblical perspective, we're always meant to have a body. That's why God's going to raise us from the dead and give us a resurrected body. And when we put that body on, we won't be found naked. That's what we really want. We want to actually have a resurrection body, and that's our destiny. That's our goal. So he says in verse 4, For indeed, we who are in this tent at present, in this earthy tent that is at risk of being torn down, grown, being burdened, because we don't want to be naked. We don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed so that what is mortal, this physical flesh will be swallowed up by life, as he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, right? Like death is swallowed up by victory. It's the same idea. And God is the one who prepared us for this. And God is the one who gave us his spirit as a, this translation says pledge, but the word is arabon in Greek. It means first installment, down payment, like the, the spirit is a down payment, the first installment of of our resurrection life that we're going to inherit. The way I like to say it is we've experienced phase one of our resurrection. We've been given the Spirit. We're being renewed day by day on the inside by the work of the Spirit in our life. We're being transformed by Him and energized by Him. And so He's the first installment of our resurrection life. And someday, someday, all that God has promised to us and for us, we will receive. It's so important, as I said, for us to have this eternal perspective, as we go through this life with its confusions and uh, difficulties, its hardships and afflictions, as we go through this life with this disappointments, uh, with n- things that we long for never fully being satisfied, right? And if we If we ignore those things or constantly are trying to satisfy those things with the things of this world, we almost in some ways inoculate ourselves against the fact that we're not fully satisfied. This world as it currently is in its broken down state isn't everything that we were created for and isn't everything we want. Our relationship with God, as good as it might be, still isn't everything that God has promised to us and everything we long for in our relationship to God. As he'll go on in verses six through eight to say, we now walk by faith, not by sight. And so as we go through this life, it's not all it's cracked up to be. It's it's, it's got its beauties and its good moments and it's it's got its wonders and its amazing things, right? And yet it has its disappointments and its hardships and its suffering and its sickness. And certainly there's always hanging over our heads the reality of it's going to come to an end. We're going to die. And we weren't made for that, right? Like God has promised us more than that. And so it's so important for us to to have this eternal perspective and fan into flame our Christian hope as we go through this life. Uh, A group of uh, pastors and church leaders was with me on one occasion where we were going to go pray for a member of our congregation who uh, had breast cancer. And this was like the second or third time that she had faced this. The prognosis on this particular occasion uh, did not look good. And so her and her husband invited us over to uh, gather around, lay our hands on her and pray for her. But before we pray, we were sitting there visiting with them. And her testimony of faith and her confidence and her courage uh, was so inspiring. It wasn't forced and it wasn't um, inauthentic. It was genuine and it was just natural. It's just real. Um, this woman, at the stage of life she was at, she had um, two 20-something-year-old kids and then a, another son who was about ready to graduate from high school. He was in his senior year of high school at this time. Her 20-something-year-old daughter was actually, they had been planning uh, her wedding, and she was going to uh, get married later that summer, that year. So in about four or five, six months from the time we gathered together to pray with Lori. Um, and so her life was at this point where major milestones were happening, and there hung over her head this question mark of, will I be there? Will I be there to see my son graduate high school? Will I be there to share in my daughter's wedding? And she was honest and open with her family about this, and they were having good faith-filled conversations about this, right? So there we are, gathered around her, preparing to pray, and we're having conversations about all of this uh, before we pray with her. And here's what she said. Listen to these inspiring words that represents this eternal perspective that the Apostle Paul had as well. She said to us in that context, I want you to pray, but I want you to pray that the Lord's will is done because the way I see it, I can't lose. Did you get that? The way I see it, I can't lose. And then she went on to say, if, if, I, if the Lord heals me and I stick around, I get to go to my son's graduation. I get to be a part of my daughter's wedding. But if, if he chooses not to, then I get to go be with Jesus. And that's like the greatest thing in the world. And so it's a win-win situation. I can't lose. What faith? What hope? What confidence and courage. And that's the eternal perspective that I want myself to have, that we as followers of Jesus need to have. It's the eternal perspective that Paul had here in 2 Corinthians. It's the perspective that the early church routinely had when they were facing persecution and opposition for their faith. They were were driven by their, their confident expectation, their hope that God had a glorious great future for them that included resurrection. It wasn't just going to heaven when you die. It was actually more than that, as N.T. Wright assumed for saying that our ultimate destiny is not just life after death. It's life after life after death. We're going to be resurrected someday and live in a new heavens and a new earth and walk with God permanently and fully in that new world with his people. And and therefore, we can't lose. We can't lose, like Laurie said. And so look at what Paul says in response to that And verses six through eight of this passage, he says, therefore, therefore, because God is the one who prepared us for this, because God is the one who gave us the spirit as the first installment, because we know that there's a resurrection body awaiting for us, therefore, we are always of good courage. Like we live even in the midst of the difficulty and the confusion and the uncertainty and the hardship and the threat of death and persecution that Paul faced, right? Like he says, we're always of good courage and we know that while we're at home in the body we're away from the lord like the reality is is even now like we're in this body we're 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 away from the lord and he he clarifies what he means for right now we walk by faith not by sight like we have a relationship with the Lord and it's real and it's good, but it's not everything that we long for, and it's not everything that it will be. We walk by faith, not by sight. So he says in verse 8, and so we're of good courage and prefer, catch this, and prefer rather to be away from the body so we can be at home with the Lord. Like, like if we if we understood how good the Lord is, and all He has for us. That even that intermediate state between death and resurrection, even that intermediate state where, in the language of the preceding verses, we're, we're found naked, and though that's not what we ultimately want and what we ultimately hope for and ultimately look forward to, we ultimately look forward to a resurrection of the body, but even that intermediate state of being away from the body and at home with the Lord is something that is better by far, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. That's our eternal perspective. That's our hope. Paul's confident of it. And notice, it gives him courage in the face of this life. He doesn't lose heart in life and ministry. He has courage instead in the face of all the difficulties of life because he has this eternal perspective. Because his mind is, is... focused on the eternal things that God has prepared for us. And we need that. We need that today just as much as Paul needed it back then. We need to realize that um, what we experience of God now is not all that that we'll experience in the future. Um, That the good things that God gives us now are not all the good things we'll have. We need to recognize that um, this world as it currently is, full of unrighteousness, not righteousness. This world, uh, with with whatever beauties and good it has, is still a shipwreck of what the world originally was and what God is going to make it into someday. There will be a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, and we're going to have a, a new resurrected body fit for that world. That's our hope. That's our destiny. That's the glory we look forward to. And therefore, we can live this life with good courage as the apostle paul says and so my friends may we fan into flame our hope may we we read passages like this one or second uh, peter chapter 3 or first corinthians chapter 15 may we read them and fill our mind with them to remind us there's a new world coming There's a resurrection coming, uh, that we have a glorious, great, incredible hope. May we fill our mind with those things. That's one strategy for helping us fan into flame that hope. May we be honest about our disappointments and our dissatisfactions in this world so that uh, we can say, my, my hopes and longings and dreams and desires aren't fully met in this world. And may, may that then say, that's because we're made for another world. And God, we look forward to when that world would come. May we, may we use even our disappointments and dissatisfactions as a, a catalyst for fixing our gaze on the eternal things that are yet to come. So that we can live this life with confidence and courage because we have an eternal perspective. May it be so for me, and may it be so for you, as you walk faithfully with Jesus. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible in Life podcast. The Bible in Life is part of an overall ministry that is listener-supported, crowdfunded. So thanks a ton for all of you who make this ministry possible by your faithful, generous prayers and financial support. And if you want to join the team of supporters, you can do that by clicking the link down in the notes below that says give or you can go to johnwhitaker.net, johnwhittaker.net, click the give button and you can set up a monthly recurring donation right there or if you want to just do a one-time gift, you can set that up there as well. So thanks a ton for your support. May God bless you as you seek him and walk with him. I look forward to talking to you again next week.